So my friends, in our gospel this evening, our Lord gives pretty clear and specific instructions about how we're to go about with this act of correcting, uh, correcting one another. Uh, could be called fraternal correction because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And so how do we correct our brothers and sisters in Christ? Uh, there's also an element of the role of the church in this. And I think the first point with regard to this is if your brother sins against you, which in our lived experience we probably know is when your brother sins against you, that we know that we are broken human beings. Each and every one of us. G.K. Chesterton said that original sin is the one kind of doctrine of the church that is manifestly apparent to the senses. That we can tell that about ourselves, right? And we can see it in those around us. We, we're broken. As a um, entire species, <laughs> like, we, we're broken. Some of us in big ways, some of us in little ways, but all of us in one way or another, we make mistakes. And sometimes, and again, for the most part, it's probably in little ways, right? We put our foot in our mouth and we, we say something that maybe we shouldn't have said or we do something maybe we shouldn't have done. And again, it could be big, it could be little, but there's a reality to the fact that this is the way that we act. And it's our kind of being rooted in church teaching that we know that there is objective right and wrong. Uh, one of our focused missionaries was just having a conversation with someone or a random stranger about this, and the conversation ended up getting to the fact that there are things that are objectively right and there are things that are objectively wrong. That all of morality is not just subjective, how do I feel? And we live in a society which is about, I feel this is okay, I want this to be okay for me, I can make up my own rule. Like, to decide and judge right and wrong, that's the heart of original sin. When we hear that Adam and Eve saw the fruit, uh, which is the knowledge from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it's not the ability to know right and wrong, that's part of our human uh, gift of being reasonable, but it's, I want to make up my own right and wrong. I want to make, I get to decide what's right and what's wrong. And that's not the reality of who we are. When it comes to our moral lives, when it comes to our spiritual lives, uh, there are things, we are made for happiness. We were, we were made for happiness with God. This is what we were made for. And other false forms of happiness, they're not going to satisfy us. Objectively, it's not going to satisfy me. My car runs on gasoline which is going to be an unpopular thing to say when we listen to this recording in like 15 years, right? But my car does run on gasoline. It happens. What are you going to do? Uh, I can't afford a Tesla yet. But they I probably can't afford a Tesla ever. But whatever. My car runs on gas. Um, if I try to put water in my gas tank, my car is going to break. Well, we as human beings, we were made to run on a right kind of happiness. And if we start trying to put the wrong stuff in to fill us, we're going to break just as surely as my little Chevy Malibu is going to break if I try to fill the gas tank with water. It doesn't work that way. And that's not how we're made. And when we see each other going down these paths, we have an obligation out of love, out of love for our brothers and sisters to say something. 
Like, honestly, if you saw me take a water bottle out to my car before, before leaving, like, yeah, my gas tank's, I'm just gonna put some water, it'll probably do the same thing. If you love me, you should say, Father Casey, that's a bad idea. Like, come on, we'll call you a tow truck, or I'll give you a ride to the gas station. Like, it's a bad idea. Don't put water in your car. Like, that would be an act of love. And if I said, who are, don't judge me. I can do whatever I want with my car. Yeah, technically I can. And I have a right to break it. Like, I could break it, but out of love. You should want, if you see me doing something dumb, you should want to help correct me. You should want to say that that's not good. And that's, that's not elitist. That's not judgmental. That's love. That's love for one another. A very good priest who I look up to used to be a, a real all-star hockey player. I think his brother is in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and he himself played for the varsity team for a number of years at Harvard. And he uses the example of like, if you're going out to skate on the ice, and you see a guy's shoe is untied, his skate is untied, you just tell him. You say, hey, you may, maybe you don't know this, but your skate's not tied. Or you're gonna fall, you're gonna break your ankle. Out of love. And when we correct one another, it's not meant to be judgmental, it's not that I'm so much better than you or you're so much better than me and let me run your life. Rather like, hey, out of love, your skate's untied. You may get hurt if you try to go play on that skate without lacing it up. Like, maybe you didn't know. And so I'm telling, I'm telling you out of love. That's how we offer correction to one another. That's how we should offer correction. And it's a beautiful thing to have someone that looks out for me enough to want to tell me if I'm going down a wrong path. I just this, um, a little over a week ago, had a friend do this for me, right? That I was complaining about something. Like I was really complaining and I was going down the complaining rabbit hole about this one particular thing. And then I crossed a line where I started complaining about this thing in front of people I shouldn't have been complaining about it in front of. And this person just pulled me aside and said, hey, Father Casey, if you're not okay with that, like, okay, we could try to work on fixing whatever, but like, you can't complain about it in front of this group of people. That, that's, not, that's not okay, it's not good for them, it's not good for you. And I appreciated that. I appreciated them just telling me, you know, very straightforward in a loving way, um, but just letting me know that this is, this is something that they notice and, and I received that. I think that we have to be open, not just to offering corrections, right? Not just to saying, okay, how can I fix all of you? But rather, how can you help fix me too? I want to receive correction. Each one of us should actually want to receive that correction. That we as a community of believers in Jesus Christ and as brothers and sisters, as the team of Christ, we should actually want to help each other. And we should want to be helped by the others. So we should want to, when someone points something out to us, We should be tremendously grateful that this brother or sister of ours cares enough about us to let us us know. And that it's in this same vein that we have the moral teaching of the church. That when our mother, our mom, the church, teaches us, the church teaches, whether it's in the person of the pope, or the pope in union with the bishop, the bishops in union with the pope, or any of the traditional teachings of the church, particularly the moral teachings, particularly those ones that we may not like so much, it's out of love that the church teaches us morality. It's out of love that the church teaches us right and wrong. And when pastors in the church, 
again, pope, bishops, even parish priests, kind of point something out, it should be, it's out of a place of love. It's not authoritarianism. It's not meant to be domineering. Now, there may be pastors who do that, and those that exercise their authority in a domineering way, that's not how authority should be exercised in the church. But it should always be out of love, right? Love, we hear from St. Paul. Love does no evil to the neighbor. Hence, love is the fulfillment of the law. And so when our pastors teach us, we should receive that as coming from a place of love. They love us. If Pope Francis writes an encyclical about something tomorrow, who knows? We should receive that as coming from a pastor who loves us and wants to help teach us how to live in imitation of Christ in the modern world. That we, we should see that moral instruction doesn't threaten our happiness. Rather, it's just giving us that good advice that we were made for true happiness with God. And that the church as our mother has a role to, to lead us in that direction. That's the watchman that we heard about in our first reading from the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Right? The watchman has to say, God has appointed Ezekiel as a watchman as a guard, to keep watch and to notice. And if there's trouble ahead, it's the job of the watchman to notice. We have, I'm pretty sure in every single building that's part of our parishes, uh, all of our campuses have security at burglar alarms, and most of them have fire alarms. And all 24 of those alarms ring on my cell phone when they go off, no matter what time of the day or night. Right? And for the fire alarms, it's not just if there's a fire, it's if the fire panel has no power. So like a week ago, I got a call at 2.30 in the morning. No problem. Just want to let you know the fire panel at St. Jerome has no power. It's like 2.30 in the morning. The building's not burning down. I'm going back to bed. Like, I, it has no thanks for the, thanks for let, but thank you. What good is an alarm if it doesn't tell us if there's a problem? That's what security systems and fire systems are meant to do. Well, that's what the watchman of the church is meant to do. Like, if the building was burning down and no one called to tell us anything, that'd be a problem. Well, morally, if my, if my spiritual life or if my moral life is burning down and no one loves me enough to point that out and more to offer me help, then that's a problem. Like, that's a real problem with our community if we're not willing to actually help each other in that way. Here's the last point. Jesus says, you know, so you go through the whole thing. When there's a problem, just go. Just go tell your brother or sister, right? Go tell one-on-one. -on -one. Don't make his thing about it. Don't post it on social media. Don't do it. All. No, just go tell them. Go tell them one. If it doesn't work, if they don't listen to you, they refuse to acknowledge it, well, bring one or two other people, right? And part of that may be that you're wrong in saying this need, you know, what I see is wrong in you is actually wrong in me. So one or two other people actually may say, no, actually, you're being a little too strict in this, right? That's why we get one or two others involved. But still, if we can't resolve it, then we go to the church, right? And we, well, what does the church teach about this? And can we look to a higher authority? But then Jesus finishes, if he refuses to listen even to the church, treat him as you would a Gentile or a tax collector. And many of us would want to say, well, that means you get kicked out, right? Like at that, at that point, when you don't listen to anyone, you get kicked out, right? No, how did Jesus teach? 
treat tax collectors? And how did he treat the Gentiles? With tremendous love, right? And so if someone is wrong and they persist in their wrong, well, then we don't kick them out of the church. We don't say get out of here and never come back because that's not. When Jesus says treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector, he doesn't mean kick them out. But we show a type of love and mercy and a continued call to repentance. We recognize that there is a break in our relationship and maybe we're not brothers and sisters right now. We're not living like brothers and sisters. That there's a brokenness and a disagreement. But I still love you. And even if we get to a point where we just can't agree and someone's stuck in trying to find happiness in ways that just don't work, we're not going to kick anyone out of the church. We're not going to kick you out of church on a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday morning. We love you. I love you. We love you. We want you to keep coming here. But we got to work on some stuff. And our relationship isn't where it should be because we're not acting like brothers and sisters. But we love you. We want, we want you to keep coming back. We'll just work on it one day at a time. That's how Jesus treated the tax collectors. That's how he treated the Gentiles. And so it doesn't like, okay, well, if you just check the three boxes, then you could go ahead and be rude to someone and throw them out and be done. No, it doesn't work that way at all. This is Jesus teaching us mercy, teaching us how to love one another. Love one another. He teaches us in John's gospel, love, this is my commandment, love one another. All correction, all moral instruction should come from that place of love. So my friends, if we're going to be a real community of Christians, real disciples of Jesus Christ, this is something we should live. This is something we have to live. This call to love and to help each other along the path. So let's ask our Lord for that grace, to really see the need to help one another, to have the courage to do it, to be filled with love, to be able to offer these corrections, to each of us be filled with the humility to be able to receive those corrections, and in all things to be witnesses to the mercy of our Savior Jesus Christ.